Hello and welcome to the SB Nation College Ball Recruiting Podcast. This is Bud Elliott of SBNation.com, your national recruiting editor, here to chat with you on a Friday afternoon about a little, uh, little college ball recruiting talk. Why not? Every week, uh, we submit we, a- we ask for reader questions. That's on Twitter, at SBN Recruiting. You can also submit those, if we're live, on the Facebook page, the SB Nation College, Bo- college Football Facebook page. So, weekly we go over the big commitments that college ball recruiting fans probably need to know about. And we'll start with LSU getting Neil Farrell, a defensive tackle out of Murphy High School in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I actually had a chance to see Farrell at a camp a couple weeks ago, and I was impressed by his feet. Now, is he a true defensive tackle? Is he a jumbo end? I think the answer may lie somewhere in between. In fact, I think his perfect fit is probably as a 3-4 defensive end in a one-gap type scheme. And what do you know? What kind of scheme is LSU running under new defensive coordinator Dave Aranda? Well, a 3-4 scheme that actually asks their defensive ends to penetrate a good bit. So that, that'll be an interesting fit, assuming he sticks. And I assume that he will, because who's recruiting him? Damian Craig. Ace for Auburn, ace for Florida State, now an ace for LSU, especially when a kid is out of the Mobile, Alabama area. So that, that, that's a really nice get. For LSU, uh, listed offers from Florida State, Alabama, uh, not sure if Auburn offered or not, a couple of the Mississippi schools. Anyhow, uh, a a nice get there to start the week. Bruce Judson, a four-star athlete out of uh, Cocoa Beach, ended up committing to USF. Judson had a lot of offers from uh, a number of top schools listed, and I think Judson's a good player. Um, I also think he's an example of when early recruiting rankings can at times uh, backfire a little bit. And, and I think Judson maybe just hasn't progressed at quite the rate that some of his contemporaries have in that class. Excuse me, Coco, not Coco Beach. You're correct, Facebook commenter. Anyhow, uh, yeah, Coco's a, a pretty pretty uh, powerful high school there. I think that's a great get for USF. I'm just not sure where he plays. Does he play receiver? Does he play running back? He's you know he's not, not the biggest kid uh, height-wise. He is actually uh, pretty stocky. And that'll be very interesting to see where he plays. I'm not sure if he quite has the length to play linebacker there, but hopefully USF finds a way to maximize his talents. And it was a good week for USF as well. They added linebacker Michael Scott out of Tallahassee, who I think is a very nice prospect, especially for a three-star rating, and a couple other kids as well. So good job on the USF staff. You know, A year ago this time, it looked like they may be on the hot seat. Now, seem to have things going in the right direction. It just goes to show you, you can guess, but you never really can know exactly uh, how something's going to go. Next, Arkansas landed safety Monteric Brown. I like this kid a lot. I, uh, somebody from Arkansas showed me his film early on, and they wondered, you know, why wasn't he a four-star? Why didn't he have all these elite offers? And I said, I, I don't know. He, he looks awesome to me. Then he got all the big offers, ended up sticking with the Arkansas offer. Monteric Brown is a name that you're going to need to know in the SEC. Um, that's... That's just something you should know. He's a really athletic player, big-time hitter, always around the football, good range, uh, one of the top safeties in the country, big fan there. Uh, Jerry Judy, of course, a really big name uh, who I think a lot of people knew, uh, and he ended up going to Alabama, which was, I don't think, much of a shock. Uh, Everybody kind of assumed that he would due to some of those connections uh, to Alabama. Uh, Arguably the top receiver in the state of Florida, and, you know, what I like about Judy's game, and this is Jerry Judy we're talking about, the four-star receiver 
who just committed to uh, to Alabama. I it took me a while to figure out sort of why I like Jerry Judy so much. And, and you look at it and you go down the things you evaluate with, with receivers, right? And at its core, there's two things: does he get open, and does he catch the football? Well, the answers to to both those questions are are yes and consistently, but. If you break it down in, in some of the more macro categories, uh, speed, he has it. Is it great? No, but it's it's pretty nice. Quickness, does he does he have it? Yeah. Is he the quickest guy around? No, but again, it's pretty good quickness. He catches the ball away from his body. I think the hands are, are a plus. The the route running is a plus. The size, you know, a, a, a true six one, that's a plus as well. Uh, you know, you go down the list with Jerry Judy, and the best thing that he does is that he, it, there are no weaknesses, right? It, there's not one part of Jerry Judy's game that I say, that's a legitimate weakness. So there are parts where I can say, maybe that part is not elite, but there's not a part where I say, yeah, that's a big-time weakness that's going to get exposed at, at, the, at the next level. Maybe the NFL folks will nitpick it more, but as far as uh, um, college... I don't think so. I think he's a plug-and-play guy, a guy who can contribute early in that Alabama offense. And you know, is he going to be a, a, a total superstar? Is he is he Calvin Ridley? I, I don't think he is. I don't think he's he's quite as athletic as Calvin Ridley is. But I still think Judy's one of the best receivers in America. And I would compare it to, uh, for y'all who used to play in CAA or if you play Madden, he kind of has that like 92 rating for everything. You know, it's like, how is this guy rated so highly? There's not one thing in his game that maybe is a 99. But yeah, there's nothing that's an 85 either. You know, it, it's uh, it's a very well-rounded game. All right. Uh, next was, uh, oh, by the way, I do want to talk about Bama receiver recruiting real quick. You already have Tyrell Shavers. Now you have Jerry Judy. Henry Ruggs was spo- uh, supposed to commit at the, end of, or at the beginning of August. Now he's pushing it back a little bit. Maybe want to take a couple more visits. Uh, Nico Collins, we're not sure where Alabama stands with him. I know Michigan's try, trying real hard to get him. Devontae Smith, we, we a lot of people think is an Alabama silent. We'll see on that. Um, anyway, the question is, can Alabama really take all these receivers? Now, Kyrie McDonald, who we expect to commit to them in a couple weeks, uh, Alabama seems to be looking at more of as a defensive back. Although, when I spoke with him, he told me he wants to play receiver in college. So that may be a conversation they either have had or need to have, assuming that McDonald goes to Alabama like I think he will. Um, but they seem to be the favorite for pretty much all the kids I just mentioned. So, we'll see how, how they fill us in. I know there are several teams out there watching to see what Alabama does uh, and then hoping that they can get one of the guys who maybe Alabama doesn't have room for. So, that's, that's certainly worth watching. Uh, Adarius Lemons, out of uh, out, out of the uh, the Bay Area there in, in Tampa, um, running back four star, decommits from North Carolina. Props to North Carolina staff for identifying the kid early and getting on him, uh, but he does decommit and ends up committing to Florida after their Friday Night Lights event, a successful event for the Gators, and uh, I like him a lot. Now, some stuff to clean up in his game, but. It, his style, like stylistically, and not talent-wise, I don't want this to get, get confused, but st- like style-wise, he's kind of similar running running style because he's leggy and yet he still is able to, to get low at the point of contact to a guy like Darren McFadden. 
And I don't want people to say, oh, Bud Elliott compared Darius Lemus to Darren McFadden. That's not what I'm attempting to do here. But if you're looking for a style whose running he might remind you of, I think that's actually a pretty good fit. Nice get for Florida. They clearly want to run the football with power under Jim McElwain, and, uh, and that's a nice get for the Gators. Josh Thompson, a cornerback who was actually out at the opening and had a nice showing at the opening, ended up flipping from TCU uh, to Texas. And uh, that's another nice get for the Longhorns. I've said many times, if Texas can actually win some ball games under Charlie Strong, then they are going to be due to clean up in the state of Texas. I, I stand by that. I, I think if either they or A&M have big years, or perhaps both, I mean, however unlikely that is, I think they're going to have a really nice time uh, recruiting down the stretch. And, and Texas closed well last year. So continuing setting that momentum, certainly prospects believe that Texas uh, has a shot at least to to get things moving in the right direction under Charlie Strong. And, uh, you know, the, the Baylor uh, program being kind of decimated here is also going to have a, a – it's going to essentially distribute talent that Baylor would have normally signed to all the other schools – in the Big 12, although perhaps not in equal measure. Uh, finally, at 2018, um, quarterback to talk about, Emory Jones. Southern kid ends up committing to Ohio State. He's a 2018 dual threat. Uh, I actually thought that Tennessee had a really good shot to sign him. Uh, and, of course, he's 2018, so we're talking about, what, 19 months until the National Signing Day in February of 2018. I think he's an ideal fit for Urban Meyer's offense, an offense that, at its core, is a single-wing type spread option offense, and when they get in trouble, they almost always go back to running the quarterback. They did it with Tebow. They did it with Cardell Jones during their championship run. Braxton Miller obviously ran him a ton. When they get in trouble, Urban Meyer calls quarterback run. It's just something he very much believes in and has had a ton of success doing. Emory Jones is a much, is much more of a runner than, say, a Tate Martell or uh, Dwayne Haskins, the kid they signed in 2015, was. Something to watch there. He does have some family connections to Tennessee, from what I understand. And you know the Vols won't give up. If Tennessee has a big year this year, like most Tennessee fans think they will, something could change and and, uh, and maybe Tennessee will have a shot to get back in there. But Jones, so far, seems really excited about his commitment to Ohio State. Congratulations to him. And, uh, and he's already talking about recruiting for the Buckeyes. So... Those are kind of the major commitments that if you hadn't followed recruiting this week, you just got back from vacation or something, or maybe you don't really follow recruiting on a day-to-day basis, which is actually a lot of you. I totally understand it. That's probably what you need to know about. Two other things came up this week that I, I did have time to write about. Penn State and negative recruiting. Uh, there was an article in the Reading Eagle or Reading, uh, Pennsylvania. I'm not sure how to say that. Never been there. Uh, probably Reading. Uh, and it kind of... James Franklin was talking about negative recruiting and through two quotes that were described as actually 35 minutes apart, some writers took it as Franklin complaining about certain schools specifically, negative recruiting, and one writer asked Mark D'Antonio and Urban Meyer about these uh, allegations at Big Ten Media Days. They, of course, denied them. Meyer actually said, hey, I'm going to go talk to Franklin after this. Apparently they did. And they made up. And then Franklin said, hey, I wasn't accusing any specific schools of this. Um, you know, there's there's one school that in, in particular that may do this. Obviously, Penn State's not going to name them. And I wrote about the, the dangers of 
negative recruiting if you're if you're truly making up lies, which in this case, Penn State people seem to be claiming that other teams are just making up lies, specifically bringing up the idea uh, that Penn State could be placed back on probation due to new allegations of the Jerry Sandusky uh, scandal. Apparently that's not going to happen, uh, and Penn State has said that, hey, we have complied with everything that the NCAA asked us to do and more. We've gone above and beyond. You know, we actually do like full FBI-style background checks on all new hires, which is something you know a lot of schools don't do. But I wrote about there is a danger in negative recruiting, and negative recruiting is something that all teams do, and I don't have a problem with it within certain bounds. But if you go above and beyond and really tell fantastical lies to kids and the school about which you're lying can prove that you're a liar, that kid is not going to trust your program any, anymore. They're going to say, hey, that, that's, that's not the family relationship that I'm trying to establish here. And so you have to toe a fine line. And if a program is doing that to Penn State, that they really need to be careful with it because it, it could burn them in a big way and recruits talk. So if you burn yourself with one kid, there's a good chance that you could burn yourself with another kid. The other thing I talked about this week was Ohio State's ridiculous class. Uh, Alabama, as you know, has signed the number one recruiting class for, I think, six or seven years in a row, um, which is obviously very impressive. And uh, Ohio State is actually kind of in position to maybe knock them off if they take enough kids. We know Alabama uh, looks like they're going to take a full class again. I would not predict Ohio State to knock them off right now, but I think that they are going to be the closest to knocking off Alabama that any team has come. And it is actually kind of impressive that they are still ahead halfway through the, rec- the recruiting cycle. Um, most, but By this time in many years, Alabama has already been ahead and been number one. So, let's get to some... Why do you love hating on the Hurricanes? I really don't. Um, Miami fans want me to treat uh, the Hurricanes as if they're an elite program. And uh, from a recruiting perspective, they, they really haven't been over the last decade or so. Uh, I'm very impressed with some of the things Mark Richt is doing. And in fact, I wrote about that uh, very recently. I thought the Paradise Camp that, that Miami is doing was quite smart. Uh, I like that idea. I thought that Miami was really genius, not only to bring people back, like former players and stars, to guest coach which many schools do, but I thought Miami was really smart to actually take that and uh, and advertise it. You don't see a lot of schools saying, hey, this former star is coming back. This former star who made several Pro Bowls is coming back. Miami did. And I think that's really smart on Miami's part. Why would you not advertise that? And I, I don't know why some schools don't, but the Hurricanes did, and it was really smart, and uh, kids reacted to it extremely well. As a national football recruiting guy, I focus mostly on where the elite prospects are going. And you know, if that wants to be taken as anti-whatever program isn't signing them, that's fine. Uh, I don't really have a problem with that. A check's still cash. All right, next. Uh, Oklahoma is dominating Texas recruiting this year, aren't they? Uh, yeah, indeed. Oklahoma has more uh, four- and five-star recruits from Texas, I believe, at this point, than any other school in the country. Now... The important thing to remember, this question is from John Kennedy on Facebook. We, we always appreciate the questions. The important thing to remember here is it's still July. Texas and AM, I think, have only seven or eight of the 43 kids in the state 
rated four or five stars. That's not very much. There's a ton of uncommitted kids in the state. And as I wrote back in April, a lot of them want to go to Texas or A&M. But they want to trust that the program, you know, is going to be there, is going to have the same coaches, is actually going to have success during their career. And in order for them to go there, you're going to have to see an improvement in the win column. Oklahoma, if if both those schools totally bomb this year, if they both lose you know, five, six, seven games again, then yeah, Oklahoma could actually continue the run it's been on in-state and have an awesome class in Texas. This is kind of the, the reverse scenario of what we've been talking about with Texas and A&M potentially cleaning up in the Lone Star State. If they, if they don't play well, Oklahoma, which already has what a, a good handful of, of four and five stars from the state, especially those defensive backs uh, and, and Jalen Rager at, at receiver, they, Oklahoma could add even more, certainly. Uh, Kennedy also asked, uh, do you still think Oklahoma has zero chance with Jeffrey Okuda? actually wrote about this recently, and I think we said uh, on the last Facebook Live, which happened from New York City at our studios, I did with Dan Rubenstein, uh, that Oklahoma would probably be the only team that has any chance outside of Ohio State. And I still think Ohio State has has the best shot. Uh, I'm not really super concerned where, where classes are ranked at this point in the year, by the way. I, I know some people are in comment are saying this this team has this rated class. It's July. Some teams have 20 commitments. Some teams have 10. Once the number of commitments becomes more homogenous across the country, then we can really start to look at, at the overall recruiting rankings. The reason why I compare the Alabama and Ohio State ones is because they actually have a very similar number of commitments at this time of the year. All right. Uh, do you hear players talking about uh, UCF now uh, more with Scott Frost as the head coach? Absolutely, I do. Yes. Uh, Scott Frost has added new energy to that program. I think it's very smart to run a spread offense in this state. You, the, the state of Florida produces so many little tiny receiver types with great speed, great quickness, the ability to play in space. There's not a whole lot of great big receivers coming out of Florida, but the small guys, that they come out in numbers. And for a while, West Virginia and Marshall just stock their, their covered every year with the elite small receivers. If you can do that and and spread the field in Florida, especially if you're not Florida, Florida State, or Miami, all of whom, the big three, run a pro-style system and very pro-style, tight end, fullback type system, you know, if you think about it as in an economic way, right, small spread receivers represent an opportunity of market inefficiency in the state of Florida because the big three don't really want them. They don't offer. There's a ton of them every year, and at most, you're probably just taking one slot receiver per year if you're at one of the big programs. That's a lot of talent that could head out of state or perhaps could be utilized in your program. Heck, even when Florida was running the spread under Urban Meyer, uh, they would use some of those guys. A, a guy like like Jeff Dents, a guy like uh, Chris Rainey, you know, small-type dudes who were you know, either slot receiver or small running back types uh, always something to, to consider there. I think UCF is going to have success under Scott Frost. Thank you for the question, of course. Uh, John Duplessis says, do you think LSU taking uh, Neil Farrell means they don't think they're going to get Marvin Wilson? For those who are not uh, uninitiated here, uh, Marvin Wilson 
is the number one defensive tackle in the country, a five-star out of Houston Episcopal High School. He's considering, um, off the top of my head, Texas, A&M, Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State. I think that's that's seven. I think so. Um, no, I don't think taking Farrell is going to impact their chances of signing Marvin Wilson. And this is the reason. Looking at Farrell, he doesn't look like a player who's going to be a 320-pound body. He, to me, is more of a 3-4 N type or maybe a, a leaner 3-tech. Marvin Wilson, on the other hand, is already 332 pounds. Now, he may want to lose a little bit of the bad weight and, and slowly add on with good muscle, but I don't, I don't think Wilson would see Neil Farrell uh, as a threat to his playing time at LSU, and I'm sure LSU would find a way to make a room if Marvin Wilson does want to come to the Tigers. Um, I just don't, I don't think they're they're similar style players. Does FSU get a big time recruit at receiver this year? Um, yeah, actually, they have DJ Matthews, who, in my opinion, is the best slot receiver in the country. And I think by the end of, of the year, all of the uh, recruiting uh, sites will, will reflect that. I, I had a chance to see him and Tajon Lindsey side by side, and I really don't see how people can have Tajon Lindsey rated higher. And I, I think Tajon Lindsey's a heck of a player, but uh, Matthews is, is noticeably taller, I think just as quick, just as fast. Uh, and I think he attacks the football better and, and is actually a slot who can go up and get the ball. As far as signing another elite receiver, we'll have to see. Um, one thing that, got, that could actually help Florida State, if they are to sign an elite kid, is to have some of their guys in the NFL uh, produce a little more. Kelvin Benjamin had an ACL injury and didn't get to play in the 2015 season. Rashad Green is getting to play some with Jacksonville. If, if Kelvin Benjamin comes back and has a nice year, then Florida State would be able to use that as a recruiting tool on the trail and say, hey, um, we do do a good job with big receivers. We develop them. Look how Kelvin Benjamin is doing in the NFL. Eric of Inside Texas, Eric Nalen, uh, says, where is Cam Cam Akers going? And please call it with 100% certainty. I think this is a joke about um, how people expect recruiting analysts to be able to predict this stuff totally accurately, seven months before signing day. Um, but a good question nonetheless. I think Cam Akers is very much open. I don't think he has a school that, that's a big-time favorite. Uh, now, he is on Florida State's campus again this weekend for, what, the second time in five weeks? Uh, I know that he brought his mom and I think his brother last time uh, to camp. He wanted to get back down for the July camp as well, but that didn't happen. Um but he wants his dad to come down and see it. So I'm guessing his dad's probably with him now that he's on Florida State's campus this, this, this weekend. And I'm sure Florida State thinks they're in this now that he's made two visits in, in five weeks. Uh, we'll have to see where they stand when we catch up with him after the visit. But FSU's not the only team in there for Cam Akers, certainly. Um, you know, I, I know that, that Ohio State's on him hard. Tennessee, Ole Miss, he's a former Alabama commitment. I'm sure that if, if he wanted to go back... Alabama welcome, welcome him with open arms. Uh, a, a bunch of schools in on, on Cam Akers, and we'll have to see where he goes. At this point, I'm I'm not really ready to put in a guess. I, I, I don't know. He seems legitimately open and doesn't have any plans to announce anytime soon, at least based on, on what he said when we spoke with him the last couple times. All right, next question. Um, 
Oh, I forgot to write down who sent this one in, but certainly uh, appreciate doing so. Question is, thoughts on swinging back and forth uh, with Jacoby Stevens and uh, UGA, Bama, LSU, Auburn? Where does he end up? You know, uh, I have not talked with Jacoby Stevens much, but based on other people who, who have, it looks like Alabama may be trending for the four-star safety recruit. We'll have to see uh, how many spots they have in their class. I assume Stevens at, at 6'2", 200, with really nice athleticism, would be a take for the Tide when he commits here uh, in, in a week or so. But um, I don't specifically know exactly where he's going. I, I'll try to ask him. Um, but Alabama seems to be kind of trending here. If, if, if you look at some of the key market indicators, and especially if you Google like what schools are covering his announcement the most and what websites are, a lot of the a lot of the sites that cover Alabama are all about Jacoby Stevens. And that's oftentimes a pretty good indicator in the recruiting industry. For instance, let me explain this. If a kid is going to have an announcement at like a press conference and all the media is invited, for the most part, we, we know where the kid's going to go beforehand. It's, it's pretty rare that a kid pulls a shocker that nobody knows. The best way to look and see where the kid's going to go is to see what his hat looks like, right? Because they all buy three or four hats from the gas station. And the one that he's going to pick is probably the one he's taking the time to put a good curve into, you know? Um, I don't have my ball cap or, uh, on my desk, but the rest of them, oftentimes he won't pull the stickers off and he'll you know, want to take them back to the store if possible uh, because he's not going to need those and probably isn't going to be wearing the cap of another team. But absent a cap, the other best way to do it, look what media are going to cover it. If I run the LSU site, right, and I run the Ole Miss site, and I run the Alabama site, the only only crew I'm sending down there for a kid, like to Mobile, if they're all kind of equidistant, is the staff of the site where the kid's actually going. I'm not going to go, especially if I know, I'm not going to send the staff of a site that's going to lose out on a kid to go write a story about how they lose out. There's, there's no prize for second place in recruiting. And as a for-profit media business, you don't really want to go if you know the kid's not going to commit to the school you cover. Just a little, uh, little inside baseball there. Maybe that's not interesting. Maybe it is. It's Friday afternoon. Y'all are pro- probably trying to kill some time at work anyhow. All right. Uh, from Spread Love, uh, at QTZ Fashizi. Solid name. What effect would uh, Houston in the Big 12 have on all teams recruiting Houston? Did TCU to the Big 12 have an effect on teams recruiting DFW? Uh, Yeah, TCU did have an effect. I I think that that helped TCU's recruiting uh, quite a bit, actually, and their base is that DFW area, no doubt. Um, would, Would Houston becoming a Big 12 school in one of the best recruiting towns in the country have an impact on a Big 12? Yeah. Absolutely would. It would make it slightly harder to get kids on, on an aver- average basis. Now, certain kids probably still wouldn't consider Houston because they, they would still think of Houston as kind of a mid-major type, much like some kids probably still didn't consider TCU. I'm back now. Uh, certain kids probably wouldn't consider Houston uh, because they think of it as an upstart, much like certain kids just wouldn't consider TCU initially uh, until they prove they, they could actually win games in the Big 12, and now we see TCU recruiting better. I think that's what Houston would have to do. But if Tom Herman and staff were to actually stay at Houston 
and they were to join the Big 12, I think Houston would do great at Big 12 because Tom Herman and his staff are, are elite-level recruiters, especially uh, if you consider their efforts and their results at a place like the University of Houston. Uh, this is from Sad Georgia Fan, uh, the kid across, at the kid across, with some underscores in there. Has Georgia made up the ground on Tennessee for D'Angelo Gibbs? I think so. Okay, I'm, now I'm reading part of my answer that I put down in my notes. Great. So, D'Angelo Gibbs is a four-star safety. Some people think he's a corner out of Georgia. Uh, really big kid. I mean, he has legitimate safety size. There's even some chance if he were to put on a whole lot of muscle, which I don't think he's going to put on this much, but he could actually slide down to a linebacker type role if he keeps growing. He has the frame to do so. For a while, everybody thought just Georgia. And then people thought, hey, I think Tennessee has really uh, pulled ahead here. Now I think more people, and including myself, think Georgia is actually going to get this done. Ultimately, I believe Gibbs ends up at safety. But you have to sell the kid on the opportunity to start out at corner. And you tell him, hey, we're going to play you at corner to start. If you have the athleticism and the, and the ability to stick at corner, great. We love big corners. Why would we not want to, want to, to, to leave you there if you can play the position? If you can't, we have a plan for you at safety as well. You have to present the attractive plan, but also the reasonable backup plan. And what position did Kirby Smart play at Georgia? Safety. If I'm Kirby Smart, my pitch is, hey, what I just told you, plus I know safeties. Safeties in my defense have a huge featured role. I love safeties. I was a safety. I can coach safeties. I can put you in the NFL as an elite level safety if corner doesn't work out. And in our defense, we emphasize big corners as well. That's probably the pitch. I think it'll work on Gibbs. I, I think he'll go to Georgia. Another question here from our Florida folks. Uh, what is the biggest game with regard to recruiting in Florida this year? FSU-UF? FSU Miami or FSU Clemson? Um, I think it's probably it's probably Florida State Miami um, for this reason. Clemson does well in Florida, but Florida's not truly Clemson's base. So I'm going to say that game's out. Florida State and Florida always have very intense recruiting battles, but FSU's going to be very much expected to win that game since it's in Tallahassee the people that are going to come to the visit on that game, for the most part, are going to be kids who, who like FSU a lot already because you host official visitors on your own time, right, on your own game. The Florida State-Miami game, though, is in Miami, and that means Miami is going to have their opportunity to make a big impression. The last time that you had a game down there with a new coach, Florida State coming in, Miami seems like they had an actual shot to win the game, was 2010. Randy Shannon was the coach. A ton of elite recruits were in the house. Miami ended up getting housed. That hurt them in recruiting a lot that year. A similar situation this year with Miami having a, a very veteran, talented quarterback, getting a lot of hype going into the year. I think they were picked second in the Coastal, but not that far behind North Carolina. Uh, Mark Rick coming in, already doing a good job recruiting for the Hurricanes. If Miami were to win that game, I think it could pro provide a ton of recruiting momentum for the Hurricanes, just thinking here, that the last time that, that they actually beat the Knolls in front of their home crowd in Miami was, I think, 2004. 
So if they're able to do that, uh, that, that could be a huge boost. I mean, it, these kids that they're currently recruiting were three and four years old in 2004. They really haven't seen the Hurricanes beat the Knolls. But if that happens, that could be a big-time boost. So that's why I'm going to pick that game as the most important game for the state of Florida recruiting over the Gators, Knolls, and over Florida State Clemson. Thank you for the question there, uh, Michael Doty. All right. Uh, of the top safeties you've seen in person, how would you rank them? And I, I assume we're going to say recruits here. Three of them really stand out to me. And if you want to include Jabril Peppers, we can say four. And those four are... Uh, and it's hard to kind of rank these guys because they're, they're all really special. Jamal Adams, who ended up going to LSU, total stud, great competitiveness. You you, you knew it, like just the, the the way he hit and ran around the field, that was awesome. Uh, Derwin James, very similar, a little bit longer, maybe a little bit more range than Adams. Uh, he's at Florida State. Quinn Blanding, who was one of those kids who had the very early hype and you knew who he was for a long time. But he actually kept getting better and developing. And we've spoken on this podcast before about how sometimes the kids who are rated the highest as ninth and 10th graders don't end up the best because some of the late bloomers actually end up passing them. Nobody passed Quinn Blanding that year. He was great. He is great in college already. Uh, a, a guy with great length, great ability to cover, can also come down and hit like a linebacker. And then Jabril Peppers, who's one of the freakiest athletes on the defensive side of the ball that you'll ever see. I, I think those four guys... Maybe there's some recency bias mixed in there. I mean, if, if I thought about this, um, you know, maybe I could I could think back previously. But those four, just off the top of my head, really stand out, at least in, in recent years. Uh, where is Tran Harris going to go? I have no idea. I wish him well. I ho- hopefully he does well and, and ends up playing receiver. Or maybe he'll go to a spread offense. I, I still think that if Tran Harris had picked a spread offense – that he maybe could have had some success in, in, in college. I, I just don't think he's he's much. Uh, I don't think he's as well cut out for a uh, a pro style offense. Um, I think those are all the questions we have for this week. Thirty minutes of chat. Wow, man, we, this time just flew by. I love talking with you all so much. It just doesn't even really feel like work. Uh, all right, guys. Well, certainly appreciate it and. We will talk to you next time on the SB Nation College Ball Recruiting Live Show and SB Nation College Ball Recruiting Podcast. Again, if you want to subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or Stitcher or TuneIn Radio app or I think Google Play Music, just look up College Ball Recruiting Podcast. Everybody else took a creative name. We took the obvious keyword uh, SEO play, and that's what it is. Have a great weekend, y'all. Stay safe.